Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. When the markets are down, turn us up. Your Twin Cities radio home for business and investing news. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Major setback for the Biden administration. Federal advisory panel has staunchly rejected a plan that would give Pfizer booster shots to most Americans. However, it did endorse extra doses for those who suffer from severe disease or those who are 65 or older. Dr. Paul Offit, who voted against the booster authorization, says he has one question for the CDC. Can you get control of this this uh, this infection with two with two doses? What is the evidence? Because if you can't, then that makes a compelling case for the third dose. An administration official says President Biden has plans for massive movements of Haitian migrants on flights back to Haiti starting tomorrow morning. 13,000 Haitians have assembled under a bridge in Del Rio, Texas. This is SRN News. I should have done it sooner. That's a comment heard often from satisfied patients at INeedMoreHair.com. Dennis Prager here. If you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss, go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what they're doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free and the results are amazing. You'll be under the care of some of the most experienced hair transplant specialists in the country. Their doctors have given patients from around the world, including notable Hollywood personalities, a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. Their technique is so advanced that their results are guaranteed in writing and their prices are the best in the business. If you have hair loss, don't put this off another day. Contact INeedMoreHair.com at their office in Egan for your free consultation. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Today is the day to get a permanent solution to your hair loss at INeedMoreHair.com. Well, I moved into the house in uh, the summer of 2018, and the siding was terrible. Hi, I'm Dave from Matamidai. I got a hold of JTR through friends. It almost looked like uh, a giraffe. There were dark stains where the water had saturated the old paint that was on it, but there were other things that needed addressing, and uh, there were a multitude of things from putting doors in and railings and and doing some electrical and things like that, all of which JTR gladly folded into the contract and took care of for me. It was an amazing transformation. In fact, my brother-in-law, who had visited before we had the siding done, when he came back about a month after it had been done, he stopped out in front of the house and called me and said, what's your address again? Because he couldn't believe the difference. Contact JTR Roofing now for your siding, roofing, and window needs. The following program was pre-recorded. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome back. This is the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. We are very happy to have you with us uh, here today on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. And we're also happy to have our guest join us today uh, from the Legatum Institute, uh, Sean Flanagan. Uh, Sean, I'm trying to pull up your your title, Director of Impact and Partnerships at the Institute. Um and the lead author of a uh, new study of the United States Prosperity Index. Sean, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, King Nice to be with you. Nice to be with you as well, sir. Um, I'm looking right now at a map of the U.S. and says that it, that's colored by off your website, usprosperity.net. And as I look at the map, and I'm, I'm here in Minnesota, 
and I hovered my my uh, mouse over Minnesota. It says Minnesota rank number three. Tell me what that means, Sean. Yeah, I'm very happy to. So uh, we're at the Legarton Institute. Um, we're a think tank based in London, but global remit. Our mission is about helping to create the pathways from poverty to prosperity. So what you see on that map, Kenwenian, is basically we've created uh, an index for both globally, which we've been doing 15 years, measuring prosperity across 167 nations. And then three years ago, we produced the United States Prosperity Index, measuring prosperity across the 50 states of the Union and Washington, D.C. And when we talk about prosperity, we mean a combination of both economic and social well-being. And what we've done through the index is take that concept and then uh, sort of dismantle it further into all those things that we believe lead to a truly prosperous life. So within the index, we've got three broad domains, inclusive society. So that measures things like uh, personal freedom, governance, uh, safety and security, social capital. The other domain is open economy. That's everything that's needed to create a strong economy. So a good business environment, is there good infrastructure, you know, transport, communications, etc. And then the final domain is empowered people. Uh, which looks at the lived experience of people. So here, here we're measuring things like education, health, living conditions, and the natural environment. So when we take all of those three domains together, uh, we get 216 indicators that we use to measure across those three domains. And when we add everything up uh, and rank all the states 1 to 51, uh, we find that Minnesota comes number three. Well, that, that is um, – so first of all, it sounds like it's good news. Uh, that's true that you know that we would be number three um and so i i should tell you uh sean and i apologize i or mr flanagan uh but i um i'm a i'm actually an economist and i actually wrote a book about uh 15 years ago where i studied uh indices just like yours uh, I did one and uh, uh, publish a book, and we were looking at things like the Heritage Index, the Fraser Index, uh, the, the Fraser Institute's index up in uh, uh, Vancouver, uh, and, and so forth. And so there, are, I will say, there's sort of like a bunch of these different indexes out there. I think you would agree with that. What makes the Legatum Institute's Prosperity Index uh, unique and really v- and, and valuable? Yeah, no, that's such a good question. In fact, you mentioned the Fraser Institute, and they were one of our uh, advisors. We had 40 advisors when we created the U.S. Index, because your listeners might rightly be asking, what's a, what's a, you know, a Brit uh, producing an index on the U.S. for? And we took our global index and applied that to the U.S. with the help of 40 experts. But I think when we looked at the U.S., you're absolutely right. There are lots of indexes. There's the rich states, poor, poor states, there's... Um, the Freedom Index, there's many different social progress index. I think what we found when we did our kind of research three years ago is that there were lots of economic indexes and there were a couple of social indexes, but there wasn't really anything that captured both the economic and social aspects together. And so that's why we we created the index for the U.S., because we believe it's important that, you know, people's lives, when we look at our lives, they... They're a combination of lots of factors that, that need to be taken into account. So that's what we've tried to do is what what leads to you know what leads to people's lives truly flourishing, and that's why we've done done the index in this way. So so I, I mean, and the other thing that I, I, I could, I'm going to get I'm going to stay try to, I'm trying to stay as far out of the weeds as I can because my because the research I've done would wants me to go into the weeds really badly. <laughs> so I'm trying to, trying to keep myself out of there. Uh, but what I think one of the things that uh, in, in the, uh, the email I got that offered uh, you to come on the show, the, I have to say the one that got me to cock my eyebrow the most was, was the fact that you, this, you're able to drill down for some states to the county level. And what really is intriguing to me is the thought that we could actually look at county-level data, which I, I admit I've, I've looked at it and thought, how could we do it? You've actually done it, including for, for our own state, uh, which I find uh, – I, 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 which was like, okay, well, I have to talk to this guy now because i got to first of all know how is he differentiating the counties – and then and then uh, and then ask some questions about what's the result of these sorts of, of things. So first of all, 
Um, talk about how it is that you decided to do the counties and why Minnesota was one of the, I think, 12 states you chose to do it on. Yeah, so when we first created the index in 2019, that's when we produced the state-level index. And that was our primary focus. But obviously, when you come to look at the U.S., you know, a lot of these states are large, um, either either size-wise or population-wise. And so we recognize that to really understand um, how a prosperity is distributed within a state is quite important because that will help inform the most effective policymaking, we believe. Um, and so we, we embarked last year on creating the index for eight selected states. And they, they were selected partly by demography, uh, partly by geography, uh, but also by size. So last year we, we did, obviously, we did California and Texas because of their, because of their size. Um, and then we are, we are funded, uh, we are a charity, so we're funded to do this work through uh, a number of uh, trusts and foundations. Um, and so part, part of our selection was also in consultation with them, but we also wanted to select some states that were at the top of the index and some states that were towards the bottom so that we could really begin to understand how prosperity distributes. And we, we see a fascinating picture when it comes to Minnesota because, it, you, you know, the, the, the sort of high level of prosperity that um, is exhibited by the state. Now, it's not to say that there aren't some uh, challenges and some opportunities, and we call, you know, they're, they're visible through the state profiles. We can see those and we can chat through some of those. But when we look at how it translates across the 87 counties of Minnesota, we see, broadly speaking, that actually most counties exhibit similar levels of prosperity in a way, perhaps, that when you look at the likes of uh, California or Texas, um, other states, we, we see that actually you get a lot of counties that you get some that are in the top quintile, uh, but you also get some that are in the bottom quintile. We don't see that in Minnesota. We see the vast majority of uh, counties, 80, uh, uh, sorry, 70, 79 are in the top quintile and only a handful are in the second quintile. Um, so it's quite interesting just to see the different patterns of how it, how it translates across the state. Yeah. So, I mean, I, thank you for making that point, Sean, because I think that's a, a, I think that's really important for for the listeners to understand. So, I I happen to live. I'm actually sitting. I'm sitting in an office uh, on the Mississippi River right at this moment, where I'm sitting in Stearns County. As I look across the river, I'm seeing Sherburne County, and if I look if I look uh, north out my window about uh, 200 yards, I'll see uh, Benton County. So, I see three different counties. Uh, here in the area. And so I'm in Stearns County. I live in Stearns County, and it's ranked number 68. And my thought is, oh, Stearns County must be awful. Well, that's not what you're saying at all, is it? You're saying, you, you, just by what you said, it's like, well, many of our counties are still in that top quintile. They're all, in the way you're describing it, good counties. So if someone was to say, you're number 68, I would say, yeah, but that doesn't mean we stink. We actually are still a pretty good county to live in. And then and then even Pine County, which is at the very bottom of your list at number 87, is in that second quintile. So it's like, yeah, it's not as good as some of the other counties, but it's not bad. Um, so so, um, so am I reading that right? It, that uh, I, I think to say that, that the yeah. gradations between the counties might in fact not be all that telling to us in minnesota but they are in other states i think that's really interesting yeah yeah so what we've done with the analysis is we've presented the information in two separate ways really part partly because it's helpful to see within a state how the county counties rank because that can be useful uh, for policymakers and others but actually it's also helpful to see well how, how does your county perform relative to all the other counties now what we're trying to do over time, and we've done it this year, we've added four more states, um, one of which is Minnesota, to the county index. We'd like to keep going with that, subject to being able to, to get the funding, because we believe it's a combination of both state level, um, given the sheer number of decisions that are made at that level, but also county level as well, to supplement the state level information. And it's both of those really that's needed to really understand how... Um, uh, to make decisions and what kind of policies need to be implemented and who needs to do what. Um, so that's why we think both state and county are, are really useful together. Right, because if I light up the map, if I if I pull up the map for Minnesota, it's basically all green but with a few counties lighter colored, which means they're all pretty good counties. If I do California or I do Florida, it's a very different story, isn't it? 
Yes, yeah, yeah. You you see that um, you've got counties which ex- exhibit, um, you know, high levels of prosperity here and in the first quintile, but you also find, you know, counties in the bottom quintile. So, there's, there, you know, there is quite a degree of disparity across the across the state. Right. So, I mean, I, I find... I, so I, I, I appreciate that, that having that point made is that, is that if you look at the counties, it's more important, at least to me, you've got to not just look at like, I'm number 68, you have to look at, yeah, but what color, what, what color am I on the map? It, it, it really, I think, matters to, to us. So what I want to do, Sean, is I want to take a break here. When I come back, what I want to explore is, Suppose I'm in a state or a county, and I'm more interested actually in what if I'm in a county that that is not the brightest green. What what is it that your that your research shows would be some ideas for how to get there, other than get up and move to some other place? We'll be back after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. We work to make your life easier, and we have done that again with our new add-on packages. These packages give a great value to the best group of accessories for getting the job done. Our Patriot package, for example, includes many things like oscillating and turbo nozzles, high-pressure gun swivel, flat surface cleaner, foam cannon, and much more. Call us or stop in today to find out how we can help you. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. Need new windows but don't want to sit through long, high-pressure sales calls? I get it. What if I told you you could get competitive quotes from three contractors after one short meeting with me on any window brand? And it's all free. Visit my three quotes online. That's my three quotes. Only could, but don't Welcome back. King Banyan Show. The Biz 1440. We're visiting uh, this half hour with Sean Flanagan, uh, who is a director for of Impact and Partnerships for the Legatum Institute. Uh, Sean, thank you again for spending time with us this morning on the King Banyan Show. I am... Uh, I, 
I, I have a couple more questions that I'm gonna I'm gonna telescope back out of the counties and into into states and then into countries. Very clearly, even though the U.S. is at number one, you know this isn't like we're doing the Olympics here. As your as your report clearly states, the United States is a very prosperous place, but there are pieces that you identify that are that are holding it back. Can you talk about? how it is that you can say those both those things at the same time? Yeah, I think um, it's great. Well, thank you again for having me on, King Daniel. I think, um, yeah, I think it, it, it's both because when we look at prior to the pandemic, prosperity has been rising uh, in the U.S. year on year, you know, driven by strengthening the economy post the financial crisis at the end of the noughties, but also other aspects of prosperity. So, you know, the uh, skill set of the adult population increasing, reductions in property crime and also reductions in certain behavioural risk factors um, have kind of driven the improvement in prosperity, which is great. And I think, you know, post-pandemic, we're already beginning to see um, rates of startup, business startups in, uh, accelerating and such that 2020 was the highest on record and that, that growth has continued into 2021 and up until writing the report. So I think there's lots to be confident about. But I think also when we look at the global ranking of the U.S. On, in our U.S. and our global prosperity index. Uh, I mentioned those three domains, inclusive societies, open economies, and empowered people. What we find is that on the open economies domain, as, as, as your listeners have probably you know, absolutely recognized that the U.S. ranks seventh globally, does really well. But when you look at some of those broader aspects of prosperity, particularly safety and security and health, the U.S. ranks 66th and 59th uh, respectively. And it's that those rankings pull the U.S. down overall to to 18 um, uh, in global, which is still a very you know, which is still a very strong performance. But one of the other things we talk about in the in the report is what we see through the index is prior to the pandemic, there were three also broad areas that we we think shouldn't be lost sight of as the COVID you know COVID rescue plans put in place by each state. So things like declining social networks. So. This is in the social capital pillar, which is measuring the strength of relationships. And it's like concentric circles. At the middle, you've got those relationships, which are most dear to us, you know, family and very close friends. But they may been strengthening, which is good. But the wider social networks, that's the extent to which people uh, engage with others in their neighborhood, their ne- you know, their neighbors, um, talking to, doing favors for, that's deteriorated and deteriorated in most states. We also see um, mental health, which was already weakening across the U.S., even prior to the pandemic, has been further exacerbated. And there's one other area which I know is a sensitive topic, which is um, a deterioration in, uh, in the element which we call masculinity and injuries, which is principally due to the year-on-year rise and increase in, in mass shooting events since 2013, with uh, more than half the states seeing a mass shooting event in every single year since 2013. And we highlight these areas uh, because we think they're important not to be lost sight of and should be forming part of a rescue plan for each state, not just focusing on those uh, impacts of the COVID pandemic. Well, I, so let me, uh, let, me, let me take that, and I actually will drill down to, to my own experience here. So this week in the United States, many communities will have something called nation, uh, national, it's the National Neighborhood Night Out event which is usually sponsored by your local police department, and they organize, uh, and so people in neighborhoods will organize picnics where the neighbors will show up. Um, at, at my neighbor, one of my neighbors came by with a flyer saying, hey, National Night Out is at, it's at our place this year. Uh, come come at 5 o'clock between, uh, come at 5 o'clock or at any time between 5 and 8, and uh, it, it is organized. I think there are attempts to do that. Obviously, last year, there was no night out. <laughs> we couldn't do it because of COVID. Uh, this year we are. It's an outside event, so it's 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 I think quite safe for people to get to. Uh, and the other thing, uh, Sean, that I, I I point to at least here in our community is is we have uh, various commu- uh, various events where musicians perform in parks uh, that are where people are invited for free, put on by. Uh, a, a rotary or a, another kind of social service organization, a voluntary organization. Um, 
I'm not being defensive about this, but I'm saying that there are there's evidence that some of that happens and and that's happening right now. And I just wonder how much of those events were also curtailed because of COVID and hopefully are coming back as we as we begin to come out of this. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And, that, and they're exactly the type of events and uh, gatherings that, you know, that can build uh, social capital, you know, bonding social capital between between individuals and others. Um, what we highlight in the report is just purely looking at the, you know, the data and the, the metrics we use is that we see that since 2011, because we, we've got data, trend data, so that we can assess how things have changed, we see that actually year on year that has been weakening. So it, it feels like there's some attention that needs to be given, but it's exactly those type of events, you know, building that sort of sense of community, uh, which is so important. Yeah, and I think, Sean, if you, I don't know if you have any uh, particular examples to draw on, but but I believe that uh, there's some pretty good evidence that the building of show, social capital actually increases the uh, economic vitality as well as the inclusiveness of uh, that growth to all parts of a community. Um, do you have any examples, maybe uh, maybe within the United States, but maybe also globally, that uh, where, where you could say that increase in social capital has has increased prosperity in, in, in sort of measurable economic terms? Yeah, so uh, alongside this um, uh, kind of analytical report, we have a, a document which looks at the, the conceptual idea of prosperity. And, we, and that's exactly right. We draw upon quite a lot of research that talks about the connective tissue between uh, increasing social capital, the leading to, you know, increase, improve uh, uh, economic output. And well, that's one of the things that we're very keen to stress around the prosperity index is it's not, it shouldn't be seen as silos because, uh, you know, these things are very connected um, ac- across the index. And so, you know, there's been a lot of work in the U.S., for example, around social determinants of health. For many years, the, the focus was on not just in the U.S., but uh, I think also in the U.K. on just working or uh, uh, focusing very much on health outcomes. And, but there's a lot more work now recognizing on those upstream services that those other things that lead to good health outcomes, you know, the quality of people's environment in which they live, access to green parks and all those things. So absolutely, this prosperity is interconnected. And that's, that's why we put the index together, really, because our lives are complex and integrated and interconnected. And all these things, um, you know, play into one another. So it's exactly completely agreed with what you just said. Yeah, and, and and just to add one more piece to it, because I this as I as I said, this is like an area that that I have a professional research interest. I'm not just doing this as a radio host. Uh, uh, I'm a I'm an economist who works at a university and uh, member of our own uh, of the city's uh, economic development authority. So I, I, I have some official I have some official roles here too. Uh, I. I, I thought one of the strong points you made in the report, or the, that the report makes, is that is that this is sort of an iterative process. And I think I think if you talk about that interconnectedness, the interconnectedness of the various pillars of prosperity, I think I mean I believe that that you can't just sort of say, well, here's the one thing. If we fix that one thing, this will grow. I think what your report is helping show is that you sort of have to iterate across all the various pieces because at some point each part becomes the weakest link and the easiest thing that, to work on next. But uh, every one of them gets harder over time. Have you got any examples where someone has taken that report of yours and said, okay, here's what we should do next and done and done done something that you thought was good and maybe something where you said, yeah, that's not really what the report says. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we're, we're beginning to see the index being used in different places. I could give a couple of examples. So we were working actually with um, uh, a, a policy institute in Mississippi who wanted to uh, look at how the high, you know, high cost of health care um, was, was restricting uh, access to, to certain groups in society. And the reason... The reason why that was is because there was um, sort of legislation that almost stopped new players coming into the market. And they were able to use the index, look, looking at the health, looking at the care systems element, 
to actually say, you know, to, to support their argument to say, actually, we need to address this because very high percentage, I think it was over 20% of people um, couldn't afford healthcare. Um, and that, that, that's because of the cost is too high. So the report's being used. And I think being on the other side of the pond is quite helpful because we're, you know, we are hopefully seen as bipartisan and we come humbly with the index to say, look, it's, we believe it's a useful resource. Um, we, we actually did a, uh, a launch webinar for the report last week and we had, um, uh, we, we had someone from um, Nebraska, one of the policy institutes in Nebraska, the Pratt Institute, um, and mm-hmm. they've actually used the index to help, to help create and, and they're going to continue to use it as part of their Blueprint Nebraska initiative, which is about looking at those, these broader concepts of what it means to build a prosperous society to help inform their, their strategic thinking. I think that's fabulous, and I I wish I I wish I had more time for you today. I'm just super interested in in the work you're doing and the fact that uh, it's getting uptake in uh, in states and maybe even in communities within states. I think is 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 great and commendable commendable work. So congratulations to you and the Legatum Institute for uh, this this report. Sean Flanagan, Director of Partnerships and Initiatives, uh, thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, we look forward to perhaps talking to you again real soon. Uh, so can I, can I just mention the website, King, just in case Please people do, yeah. Look yeah. So it's, it's, all, it's all freely available on usprosperity.net, usprosperity.net. You can go and get a profile for your state or for the 87, or each of the 87 counties to have a really good dig into, uh, you know, strengths and weaknesses and um, what, what might be the opportunities. Yeah, I think that it's great. I will make sure that uh, that 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 gets tweeted to our to our listeners as well. That uh, that uh, use the internet to uh, participate. Uh, and uh, thank you again, Sean, uh, f- for your time today. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me on. We'll be, you, good to talk to you. You bet. Nice talk to you. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Do you suffer from lower back pain, knee pain, foot pain, or fallen arches? Do you? If yes, just stop and write this magic word, G-Defy, G-D-E-F-Y. What is G-Defy? G-Defy is the footwear designed by Gravity Defier Medical Technology with the worldwide patented VersoShock sole. Their shoes are clinically shown to relieve pain by a double-blind clinical study conducted by Oliveview UCLA Medical Center. You can try a pair for 30 days with free Corrective Fit orthotic inserts. If you're not satisfied, just return the shoes for a full refund and keep the free orthotics as a gift. Put an end to suffering. Save $20 and get free shipping from Gravity Defier when you go to gdefy.com radio and use code radio. That's gdefy.com radio, code radio. You have nothing to lose but your pain. Are you the principal or leader of a Christian or Catholic school? Would you like to fill the empty seats in your classrooms for no cash out of pocket? TwinCitiesTuitions.com would like to team up with you on our tuition program for first-year students. You'll be part of a marketing campaign to raise awareness about your school and gain new students for next year and beyond. Again, at no cash investment for your school. Get details by logging on to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. I'm sure glad you're my sister, Addie. Yep, you're my best buddy. Mom says you were their little surprise. What would we do without you? Well, you'll probably get your own gum. Yeah, that's true, but you're worth it. Hello, my name is Carrie. I work with Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard people. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives to abortion or needs post-abortion assistance or would like to support the life-saving work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out online at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America, educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. How do you define strength? Is it physical? 
or is it mental? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's whatever empowers a person to dig deeper, fight harder, and overcome obstacles that once seemed insurmountable. Discover how much stronger and more confident your children can be. Encourage them to participate in a sport when they go to high school. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Where the bad folks go when they die, but don't go to heaven where the angels fly. Go to a lake of fire and a fry. See him again till the 4th of July. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Thanks again to Sean Flanagan for time today. I hope you enjoyed that. That's kind of like a passion project for me to look at these various indices. I, I'm interested in how they put them together. And it's one of those, you know, I took 255 variables and I turned it into a ranking and maybe even a number. Um, I'm, always a little, I'm always a little skeptical of those reduction strategies, but um, I think a lot of the message, the message that uh, comes out of that is pretty pretty powerful stuff and uh and takes a much broader view of prosperity than i think some of the other indices that are out there so i was interested in it and um and so and i always tell people at some point you know what it's my show i get to do, i get sometimes to just talk about stuff i want to hear about look i want to spend I, i'm not sure i can get through all of the fomc report because we need to take time for this but i wanted to play there there's there's a few cuts from from Jay Powell I want to play for you. And there was also a response uh, the next day from Judy Shelton. People will remember she had been nominated to be on FOMC as a on the Board of Governors. And her nomination was um, was rejected by uh, members of the uh, Senate Banking Committee, particularly a couple of Republican members. Um, so um, I, I'm interested in uh, having that that heard, too. Um but, uh, in fact, I think I might try to play these against each other. Um, first of all, uh, this is Jay Powell again at the FOMC meeting. As he's asked about, you know, again, people saying, well, come on, the inflation rate's kind of high, isn't it? He agrees with them. Play cut number seven, please, Sean. I would say in the near term that the, the, uh, the risks to inflation are probably to the upside. Um, I I have some confidence in the in the medium term that inflation will move back down. Again, it's hard to say when that will be. Uh, I, I I will say though that you know we inflation is half of our mandate, price stability is half of our mandate, and if we were to see inflation moving up to levels persistently that were uh, that were above significantly materially above our goal and particularly if inflation expectations were to move up we would use our tools to guide inflation back down to two percent i think that's worth playing that uh vis-a-vis this was judy shelton on cnbc on thursday sort of saying well what's the basis for that thought play cut 14 please sean the chairman of the federal reserve should have a lodestar They should know why they're carrying out their policies. I think that some of his monetary decisions, and I'm going back to even when he was on the um, Board of Governors with Janet Yellen, have shown an inconsistency in terms of is he committed to productive economic output and does he understand the role of money in facilitating that? Well, all we've heard so far is I, you know, inflation is above. It's it surprises to the upside, and if it stays persistently there, we'll move things back down. But it's only half the mandate. So I, I have to say, I agree with with uh, Dr. Shelton. I don't really understand what it is that um, he's getting at, getting at with this. Um, let me continue on with the with the Powell press conference. I'm flipping through. I have to flip through pages to find the next the next set of markers. Um, one of the things that he certainly believes, and I think he's picked up, and again, and I've made this point before. I don't think you need to be an economist to be the head of the Federal Reserve, but I'm always interested when a non-economist is the head of the Federal Reserve. I want to know. So, what did you learn about economics? 
And it was very telling to me this response to uh, something from uh, from David Gura, who's a reporter at National uh, National Public Radio, and he's asked to, to sort of explain. I mean, he gets buttered up by by this reporter to say, "Hey, you're a good storyteller, and you've helped us try to understand what he uh, uses this term transitory." So tell me what you really mean by transitory, and and so forth. He gives this is his, is his answer. Cut number eight, please, Sean. When we think of inflation, we really think of inflation going up year upon year upon year upon year. That's inflation. When you have inflation for 12 months or whatever it may be, I'm just taking an example. I'm not making an estimate. Then, then you have a price increase, but you don't have an inflation process. And so th- part of that just is it, that if it doesn't affect longer-term inflation expectations, then it's very likely not to infect uh, to to affect the process of inflation going forward. So uh, what what I mean by transitory is just something that doesn't leave a permanent mark on the inflation process. That is a very telling statement because I can hear I hear that statement and and understand I I'm a university professor who taught macro theory and taught money and banking for over 30 years before I came into the dean's office. I've graded thousands of macro and monetary theory exams if i read that if i read that explain explain what transitory inflation is that's not a bad answer but the model in the head of the of the student that answered this would be the model that says past inflation eventually causes market participants to be conditioned to expect inflation going forward it has and it, and that it's only based on what's happening with prices. What Dr. Shelton is saying, which I which is important is she he doesn't seem to believe that that money going up year after year after year by having the taper not happen and when it does happen happen over time that adding 120 billion dollars a month to to the the central bank's balance sheet is non-inflationary. He, there's no reference to that whatsoever. Um, he then goes on to say to say this uh, regarding maybe how they're picking up information from price increases. Cut number nine, please. To, to the extent people are, are, are implementing price increases because raw materials are going up or labor costs or something's going up, um, it, you know, the question really for inflation really is, does that mean they're going to go up? the next year by the same amount. So you're going to be in a process where inflation, the inflation process gets going, and, and that happens because people's expectations about future uh, inflation mo- move up. And we don't think that's happening. There's no evidence that it's happening. And and so that's the mindset he's in, and, 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 he, and there is no reference to how money might play a role in that. Uh, Judy Shelton, again on CNBC on Thursday, adds the fact that this is a fellow who maybe doesn't remember everything that he did in 2018 and 2019. Play cut number 13, please, uh, Sean. 13. Remember, he, after raising five times with Yellen in his first year in 2018, he raised another four times. So that was nine consecutive rate increases. And then in 2019, he withdrew three of them. So both years, we had pretty good growth. And I think that maybe he's overestimating the role of monetary policy in economic growth. And I would say, on the other hand, he seems to be underestimating the role of monetary policy on inflation. I'm pretty clear about how I think about think about inflation. That inflation is eventually a monetary phenomenon. You cannot have a sustained inflation without sustained monetary growth. The balance sheet of the of the central bank has expanded from two trillion in two from from one to two trillion in two thousand eight two thousand nine to about four trillion four and a half trillion by twenty seventeen started to wind back so that by 2020, beginning of 2020, it was down back to $3.5 trillion, and now has expanded past $8 trillion. I cannot conceive of a war, and I 
I get when people tell me, but the velocity of money has fallen. I get that. Yes, it has. The velocity of money can only change the price level. It does not change the inflation rate. If you change the velocity of money, using just a very standard understanding of how the world works, right? Money times the number of times it turns over, which is velocity, has to equal nominal GDP. The money supply is, raise, is, is rising, the M2 money supply is rising, at a double-digit rate. In the second quarter, the GDP information tells us that nominal GDP went up 13%, but real GDP only went up by 6.5%. The rest of it went to prices. And therefore, if we're going to continue to have the money supply grow at this rate, why should I not expect... Four, five, six percent inflation over the next year or two. What they have to tell me is at some point the balance sheet is going to stabilize at some number, and only at that point can I believe, you know, believe that that uh, the inflationary process is going to stop. That's the policy. That's the theory. That's the lodestar that seems to be lacking in Chair Powell's. uh, conference I have yet to hear him articulate how it is that the money supply is that the change in monetary policy is going to impact that particular mathematics and when he when he does I'll be sure to tell you right here on the King Banyan show on the biz 1440 we'll be back right after this The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. We're in this together, and we will get through this together. The vaccines are tested effective and needed. Welcome to the clinic with Charm. Get your COVID-19 vaccine so we can do this. And this. And this. We are now boarding flight. Together again, because we got through it together. This message sponsored by the Helmsley Charitable Trust, aired with the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and the station. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. 800-884-9018. That's 800-884-9018. Hi, everyone. This is Mary Carey from America's number one travel radio show, inviting you to join Robert and me and Rudy each Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel and explore the world together on RM World Travel. Tune in this Sunday evening at 7. I should have done it sooner. That's a comment heard often from satisfied patients at INeedMoreHair.com. Dennis Prager here. If you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss, go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what they're doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free and the results are amazing. You'll be under the care of some of the most experienced hair transplant specialists in the country. Their doctors have given patients from around the world, including notable Hollywood personalities, personalities, a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. Their technique is so advanced that their results are guaranteed in writing and their prices are the best in the business. If you have hair loss, don't put this off another day. Contact INeedMoreHair.com at their office in Egan for your free consultation. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Today is the day to get a permanent solution to your hair loss at INeedMoreHair.com. 
sightseeing in Ferris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. King Banyan Show, the Piz fourteen forty. It's pretty she, pretty clear. Sean has decided to focus on my high school listening uh, habits as uh, as the uh, bumper music theme for today. Uh, I like it. Why not? Why certainly? Why not at all? Um, anyway, let me uh, let me conclude with a couple observations, and I actually think I'm going I'm going to leave a couple things, a couple of the. Uh, couple of the uh, uh, quotes uh, or uh, clips from Powell uh, on the cutting room floor here. Um, but uh, let me let me circle back to what we talked about in the first hour today. And if you just started listening, be sure to go back to the podcast and listen to the first hour. Because in the first half hour, we spent time talking about the GDP report. We talked about the uh, uh, briefly about the personal income and consumption report that was published on Friday as well. Um, and... Uh, and, and so uh, I have a uh, I have a clip for you from uh, from uh, from uh, uh, from Bridgewater Associates, this Ray Dalio's group. But this is not not Dalio. This is Rebecca Patterson. She's the uh, I think she's chief of U.S. research for for them. Uh, and um, and Rebecca talked about the fact yeah, the GDP report was uh, was uh, um, was disappointing. But unlike. Unlike, and I would say actually like the Fed, seemed to say, yeah, the number wasn't so great, but the economy still looks pretty strong. Play cut number 12, please. Yeah, the GDP mm. report today, very strong consumption, not surprising. The consumer in the United States is in better shape today than it was pre-COVID, thanks to all the fiscal and monetary support. What pulled GDP lower than expectations was inventories. Companies are struggling to meet the really strong demand, in part because of supply chain disruptions, in part caused by COVID. And so we're going to continue to see that push and pull, I think, in the coming quarters. But when you look forward, the big picture is we're still looking at a strong economy. Even though this GDP report disappointed expectations, you've got the super strong private sector. You have more fiscal likely coming down the pipe, probably in Q4. Um, inventories will restock as companies can do that. So directionally very supportive. Uh, and the Fed is not going to take the punch bowl away too quickly. I actually think that, so the last point, the Fed's not going to take the punch bowl away too quickly. One point she made that, that I didn't hear a single question asked at the press conference regarding the infrastructure bill. Now think about that. We're going to pass maybe... Four and a half trillion dollars of additional spending. Four and a half trillion dollars more than the 2019 budget for the United, the United States was. We're going to do a delta of four and a half on a budget that three years ago was about four. Not a single question asked of the of the, of the Fed. They only had to ask again and again about about you know when's the taper? When's the taper? When's the taper? And I found I just find that interesting that the let me I, I, I can't let this I can't let go of the consumption uh, report, the consumption and income report. I have to have to spend the last few minutes talking about it in the in the month of June, year over year over year growth for services was eight point six percent. Now, that's down from nineteen point eight in April and 14 percent in May. But remember, in April and May, we were basically told, don't go out. In June, many of us were beginning to go out, so that's still up at 8.6%. We were buying durable goods all along in April and May, but in June, uh, we're up. We're still up 13%. We're still up on non-durables, 13%. Private consumption is a very strong, steady indicator. I don't think that's going to go away in Q3. I'm still seeing. I'm still seeing uh, people. Putting out forecast, uh, uh, Bank of America is still at seven percent for Q3, six percent for Q4, um, 
and, and some of that's based on the inventories. Goldman Sachs is actually, Jan Hatzius is actually at 9% uh, right now, uh, which is above their other forecasts. That's all because of the inventory figure. Because these consumption data are strong, people are, businesses are going to have to stock their shelves, and that production will have a contribution to that. Now, the nowcast from the Atlanta and the New York Fed are below those numbers at 4% and 6%. I'm right now thinking the numbers should be above the 6.5% number. That's my first guess, my first kind of walkthrough what should that number look like? Uh, it should be around 6.5%. Uh, it should be closer to 7%, I think, in Q4. I'm actually right on the number with Bank of America at this particular moment. That will change. But the other point to keep in mind is, is this. We have now gone through all of, all of the, the shutdown period so we're now comparing june's the comparisons begin to get better june 2021 versus june 2020 the price index for personal consumption expenditures excluding food and energy core cp core pce inflation which is supposed to be the fed's target is now at three and a half percent up from 3.4 percent in may if i look at market-based prices so that i get the imputed price impacts of of uh, housing out of the number those are at 3.7 percent if i take market-based pce and i take out the imputed housing numbers as well that's still at 3.1 percent not not sufficiently high i think that the fed reacts yet but it's the number that we will continue to focus on that was a very consequential report and one last point the savings rate in the u.s still at 9.4% for June. People are still taking money in and saving it. It's not being spent as fast as they were spending their additional income only a year and a half ago. There's still pent-up demand out there, and we're going to see the impact of that in the second half. Is the Fed ready for that? I don't know, but we'll be watching them. Job Saturday next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Sean, for your work. Thanks again to Sean Flanagan from the Legatum Institute. Talk to you next week. King Banyan Show, The Biz, 1440. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. When the forgotten poor are suffering and in need of healing, they wait for a ship unlike any other. Mercy Ships, the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. Heroes of Mercy, like these. Every human being has the right to be treated as human, to have a place at the table of the human race. If you could just see the look in the patient's eyes or the smiles that you get when lives have been changed, then it would make it all worth it. You bring hope and healing to one person, but that person belongs to a family, and that family belongs to a community. Together, these heroes of mercy and friends like you bring hope and healing to those who desperately need it. Thank you! Thank you! To learn more about Heroes of Mercy, Go to mercyships.org today. 
Do you love to cook or have a favorite blue ribbon dish? Then you need to enter your favorite recipe sweepstakes to submit that delicious recipe. The winning entry will receive a year's worth of fine meats from Good Ranchers, a $1,400 value, and get a $1,000 Williams-Sonoma shopping spree. Increase your chances of winning by entering once each day. So start cooking and enter your favorite recipe sweepstakes now at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com slash recipes. If you could build the world's greatest radio station, where would you start? We'd begin by creating a live station that's able to provide breaking news updates. Then we'd install some of today's top political voices behind the mic. Finally, we'd craft a convenient way to listen with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not a work in progress. It's on the air now. AM 1280, The Patriot. Intelligent radio. Online at am1280thepatriot.com.